of the pastors here, if I haven't met you, I would be delighted to meet you. And maybe when we met, I might ask you this. Where are you from? The classic question that we all get used to hearing, especially when we arrive at Whitworth, and maybe get a little tired of being asked, where are you from? It tells us something about someone, though. Their place helps us get to know them. Where are you from? I'd like to know, actually. I'm from Boulder, Colorado. Born and raised in that quirky, beautiful little town nestled up against the foothills in the Rocky Mountains and home to the University of Colorado. I can still tell you where the best burrito place in town is, Illegal Pete's. I can tell you about the atomic clock that keeps the time for the whole world that's there. I can describe to you the six-minute drive from my parents' house to the front of my high school. I know and delight in that place that was my place for many, many years. Have you ever noticed that God is a God of place throughout the whole Bible? Adam and Eve were given a place of flourishing with God and with each other and creation. But sadly, they lose that place when they reject God and his ways. Abraham is taken from one place, Ur of the Chaldeans, and sent to a new place where his descendants would flourish and bless all peoples. Moses' main job was to rescue people from one place, a place of slavery and oppression, and lead them to a new place of flourishing and abundance. Part of David's mission from God was to obtain a place that would be the capital of Israel, a place that's name literally means peace and flourishing, Jerusalem. God meets the prophets in particular places like Ezekiel by the river Kibar and promises them, through them, a new place where God will dwell with his people. And then we see at the end in Revelation the, the same place in three dimensions. As heaven comes to earth and a new creation of true flourishing arrives in every single way. Throughout scripture, God acts for flourishing with concrete places and concrete peoples. This distinguishes Christian faith from other religions and philosophies in the world that focus on believing or thinking things or maybe doing the right religious things. See, Christian faith is about what God does in real places with real people. It's about what God does and is doing. So our text today from Luke shouldn't surprise us then. Jesus has been heading toward Jerusalem to fulfill his mission to lay down his life as God has sent him to do. And in Luke chapter 13, we see him lamenting over the people of Israel, God's people, who have repeatedly rejected God's, God and his ways. Our, verse, our, our text today is just one verse from Luke 13. I encourage you to read the whole chapter but Jesus says this in Luke 13, 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus laments over this place and the people that live there, longing for them to receive the love of God, the image he uses is this image of a mother hen 
bringing those, her children, her chicks under her wings. This is God's heart for this concrete people in this concrete place. He loves them and longs for their complete restoration. Some of you may remember reading in Augustine's Confession in Cor, I'm sorry to remind you, how he spends a whole chapter wrestling with time. And finally, he concludes that kind of confusing chapter that we can only know the real, one real time, and that's the present. The present is where God meets us. In the same way, God meets us in one concrete place, the one where we are, where our feet are planted today. We can only meet God in the here and the now. So God comes to us in the place and time where we are. God comes to us here, today, and acts for flourishing. This is what God does. This being present to the here and the now reminds me of Jesus' teaching that we have to all become like little children if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. My brother and his wife recently had a child. He's about one year old. He's named Benjamin. Benjamin can still only meet me in the here and the now. When I'm in front of him, he might smile and laugh. I think I look a little bit like his dad. It helps my, my skills at making him laugh. And when I come to his place, here and now, we're together. He sees me. We're there. But when I'm gone, I'm out of his mind. I'm now not there anymore with him. God meets people, meets us right where we are. He comes to us in our particular place and time because God is a God of place. Theologian Willie Jennings points out the deep underlying lie of colonialism and later slavery is that we are able to separate people from place. Instead of African peoples being rooted in their land and their people, they were displaced, put on a ship as black bodies, ready to be exploited and used for economic gain. Same story with the Native Americans, who were taken from their place and shipped off again and again to other places that weren't really their place anymore. This runs completely counter to God's design for humans, who are created to be connected to place, and in that place connect with God who meets us in that place. This God of concrete places and times makes himself most abundantly known in Jesus. We hear these words from Paul in Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. In the fullness of time, on a particular day in about 4 BC, we call it Christmas, a brown-skinned Jewish boy was born in a Bethlehem cave to a poor Palestinian couple living in a small territory occupied by the Roman Empire. This Jesus fled to Egypt as a refugee with his parents, returned a couple years later to a little town in Galilee of Israel called Nazareth, and then set up his ministry headquarters on the banks of the Sea of Galilee in a real town called Capernaum. From there, Jesus traveled to many different places, bringing physical, spiritual, emotional, social healing and restoration and teaching in those places, those real places about the kingdom of God, 
the place where God reigns. The purpose of Jesus coming to those particular places was to reveal God's love and heart for restoration for all he encountered. Have you ever received a gift of receiving someone's love by them just coming to your place, coming to your space? In high school, I played basketball. It was my worst high school sport. So I, only, I only hung in there for two years. I was consistently, my spot on the team was consistently on the bench, and that's where I stayed. And in ninth and 10th grade, every time we had a game, home or away, my mom would come in the doors to a dingy, smelly, yellow-lighted high school gym, sit on hard wooden bleachers, and cheer my team on while I sat on the bench, and then maybe cheer for me especially loud when I got in for my two sympathy minutes at the end of the half. You know, oh, that guy, we feel bad for him. Let's get him in there. My mom shared with me her love by coming to that concrete place again and again. In a similar way, Jesus expressed his love by coming to a concrete place here, earth, came here in the incarnation. In our text, he comes to a certain place, looks over this particular place, Jerusalem, the city of God's people, and laments. He laments that they have rejected God and his ways again and again in idolatry and injustice. And yet, God loves them comes to them and longs to gather them into his restoration and flourishing under the safety of his wings. In the midst of their rejection, Jesus doesn't abandon them in their place. He actually leans in and comes to that place again to the point of laying down his life. See, God's love for his people is not a vague generality. Oh, God loves everyone. That doesn't work. I can't tell Benjamin, oh, God loves everyone, Benjamin, and I can just send him a note. I have to get in his face and say, binge, peekaboo. And all of a sudden, you know what? Benjamin knows I love him. Jesus knows, God knows we need that kind of love. So God's love for his people is not a vague generality, but the embodied Jewish son of God walking the dusty roads of Palestine, touching real people to heal them, calling them by name and looking them in the eye. And finally, in his body hanging on a cross, God reveals his love for this concrete people in a concrete place through his embodied sacrificial death and life for them in a particular time and place. But this love wasn't just for the people of Israel. Remember, Israel's mission was always that they would be a light to the nations showing the world what God was like and inviting the whole world to the flourishing life with God. So Jesus fulfilled his mission and love for the whole world, opening the door for all of us to be adopted as children of God, as Paul said, through his actual death and resurrection for our sins. Jesus' concrete act of love in that place for these one people was an expression of his love for all people in all places including us. See, God is a God of particular people and particular places. In his particular love, he expresses his heart for redeeming and restoring the whole world. 
that particular love begins today with you in this place. God loves you. Do you know that? Jesus died for you. He looks at you. He gets in your face. He looks you in the eye and says, I love you. He names you. Elizabeth, he names you. Nick, he names you. Marnie, he loves you. Rico, he names you. Nate, he names you. Gabby, he looks at you and names you. Drew, he loves you. Nolan, this Jesus loves you in your particular place. He loves us today in this particular place and meets us with his love in Jesus. But his love doesn't end there. He extends his mission through us to the rest of the world. In Acts chapter 1, we hear Jesus telling his disciples to wait until they're clothed with power from on high to receive the Holy Spirit and then be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God sends us the Spirit of Jesus who tells us we're beloved children of God and then through that Spirit empowers us to share the good news of Jesus and God's love revealed in Jesus in other concrete places and to the peoples there. So what does this mean for us today? Well, first, we have to receive God's concrete love and forgiveness for us revealed in Jesus. Jesus died for our sins, and we need to recognize that, receive that, repent, and receive that gift of becoming and being the children of God, restored and redeemed to the family of God. But second, if God seeks to redeem particular people in particular places, then we as God's people are invited to participate in that redemptive work as well. It's in concrete places that people need to hear the good news of the gospel, that God loved them, so much that Jesus died for them to restore them and restore the whole world to God's good purposes. It's in concrete places where injustice happens and must be opposed with all the hatred that God has for evil. It's in concrete places where people live in real communities that need God's restoration of relationships and systems for flourishing. It's in concrete places where creation is being destroyed and defaced without regard for its creator. It's in concrete places where political opponents choose to hate and devalue the other, other image bearers instead of honoring and respecting them. And it's in concrete places where people, including us, choose to trust and obey God. Concrete places and times where people like us choose to concretely trust and obey God or not. Sociologist Rodney Stark gives an account of the two major epidemics that hit Europe in the late second and third centuries. Smallpox first, then measles. By his account, about a fourth of the population died in each epidemic. That means about a hundred, in today's terms, that would be like a hundred million Americans dying in these epidemics. And then happening again a hundred years later. Well, at that time, there was a small but growing number of people who claimed to follow the way. These people believed that a Jewish rabbi had died but had been raised, so they were no longer afraid of death. Instead of shunning the sick like everyone else, these Christ followers cared for the sick in their places, offering love and hospitality, hope and belonging. In that concrete place, they witnessed to the love of God who shares his love with us in particular places. 
By Stark's account, these Christian caregivers were one of the major reasons that Christianity exploded in numbers. People saw in Christians a different way of living, free from fear, found a place of belonging, and experienced God's love. In addition, ironically, because they were caring for those who were sick, many of them gained immunity and they survived at greater rates than others. These early followers of Jesus knew God, the God who meets them in their concrete place, and then shared that love with others, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the world was changed. The world was changed. As the band comes up, on this election, I have some questions. First question is, have I received God's concrete love for me today in this place? Will I? What does it mean for me to care about people in place like God does? How is God inviting us by His Spirit to witness to God's truth and love in my places, in my dorm room or apartment, in my, around the dinner table, in Spokane, more broadly, in Washington, and in the United States? How can I be a part of God's truth of His love for place and people? In other words, what does it mean to know and follow and obey the God of the universe who meets us in love in our particular places and invites us to be part of his work of flourishing in the places where we go. We're going to take some time now to pray during this song. And as they, the band plays this song, I trust that God will meet us and lead us to pray for our places. Our places, our country, our places. You know. You know where they are. We're going to be doing it silently, but we're going to be lifting up a chorus of prayer for our place, this place, today. Let's pray as we listen.